Hello and welcome to another episode of Bear Books Podcast. It's flash fiction today. <laughs> Come on, Daisy, you are supposed to say something and not just laugh at me. I can't help it. Since when were you ever the organised one? <laughs> I know, that's true. <laughs> it was a shock to my system. Anyway, she is April Berry and I'm Daisy Ray. And we've got a couple of stories to read for you. Before we get on to the stories, we're into the new year now. So what I want to know is, what New Year's resolutions have you made and which of them have you already broken? So this year I've decided to eat what I want, to be as fat as I want, to drink if I want, to not exercise if I want, and I'm nailing it. <laughs> I can, yeah. How about you? Um, more or less the same as yours, if I'm honest. <laughs> and I'm rocking them, yeah. I started off with all good intentions and I was sat on New Year's Day round at a friend's and we were talking about the fact that we should not do dry January or not not go on a diet, but what we'd do to help us stick to the regime, we'd split it up into weekly bits. So the first week was going to be a clean week. So no fats, no carbs and no alcohol. Whatever. How far did you get one day? So... We had our, our Thursday get-together, as we normally do. They came in, and the first thing that they whipped out of a bag was a bottle of vodka. And that was it. There's been no talk since that day of a clean week, exercise week, absolutely anything at all. Nothing. So like you, I kind of did make a bit of a resolution, but I'm nailing yours. <laughs> Excellent. What I have done this year is start writing. Have you? Of course I have. It's flash fiction episode. I was thinking that you were not just talking about flash fiction, but you were talking about the <laughs> fact that you were writing something else. I was thinking there was a novel in there somewhere. Ooh, I would love to write a novel. And if anybody wants to get in touch and guide me through the process, because let me tell you, writing a thousand words for a flash fiction is one thing, but writing 70,000 words for a novel, not sure how to even start it. I think I'd get lost with what the characters had done and what they were meant to be doing. I, I don't really know that I could do it. Really? But if you want to write a novel, I've got a really, some really, really good advice for you. I'm dreading it, but go on. You get a pen, you get a pad of paper, and you start writing. Uh-huh. Is that, a, is that the sum total of your advice? That's the sum total of my advice, yeah. So... What did you make of The Circle? What story have you written? I had all sorts of things in my mind. And I was thinking, right, okay, so there's a bike wheel. I could think about that. There's a spinning wheel. I could do something about that. But then I thought, no, that's a bit of a fairy tale, isn't it? What was the, the Disney thing with the spinning wheel? Rumpelstiltskin, she was the one that was spinning things into gold. Yes, that was it. So Rumpelstiltskin was one of them. I became very philosophical in my flash fiction. Okay. Well, I think you should read as your flash fiction because I want to listen to it plus... I want to sit and put my feet up for two minutes. So why don't you read your story first? I will. The Circle. I have loved my life. It has been a happy and full one with lots of pleasurable moments. Oh, don't get me wrong. There have been downs as well as ups. But with Val by my side, there has always been a way to resolve problems, sort out issues. A bit like the Rudyard Kipling poem that's emblazoned above the player's exit at Wimbledon. Reminiscing back through my life, I smiled to myself. I do a lot of that these days. Not a lot else I can do at my age, really. Every day, I take myself back to a part of my life and look at what I have done. As a youngster, I used to play out a lot. I loved the summer. 
walks into the nearby woods, playing in the stream, swinging on the tire swing that hung from a large sycamore tree above the bank of the stream. Making my way home when the dust started to settle in, I had a brilliant childhood. I wanted for nothing and my parents were very loving and supportive. We didn't have electronic devices in those days. In fact, not all homes had a telephone, another memory that made me smile. We had a party line at home, which meant we shared it with a neighbour. It was annoying when I wanted to ring my friends and the neighbours were on the phone. You could hear the click as the other party picked up the phone. I'm sure that they used to stay on the phone longer just to spite me. Well, that's what I told myself. And what made it worse was the wife was one of the teachers at school. I'm positive that things she heard me say on the phone she used to use to punish me in school. Other memories I like to dwell on are when I got married. Val looked beautiful walking down the aisle. I was the happiest man alive. Pride made my chest swell out. Though I did let a small tear roll down my face. Tears of unbridled happiness, I hastened to add. We went on to have three lovely children. They were not perfect by any means, especially Gary, who in his teens was brought home more nights by the local Bobby than I care to think about. Constable Evans was a lovely bloke, and I knew he could see the good in Gary, despite the mischief he got up to. Gary, as well as his two sisters, is now married with children of his own. Oh, the joy they brought to Val and I. She was always volunteering to babysit. Most weekends we had a houseful, the laughter, noise and tears never ceasing. All the cousins were close and so were our children and their partners. I remember one family holiday to Tembe. There were 15 of us with all the children, spouses and grandchildren. We had a fabulous time. Life moves on though and now the grandchildren are with partners. I often wonder what happened to the institution of marriage as none of the grandchildren are married and some do live with their partners. Gary's eldest is with someone of the same sex. I really worried at first, knowing how bad it had been back in the day for same-sex couples, but they reassured me it's not an issue now and they can get married if they wish. I had a wonderful job with a really good boss. I was treated with respect at work, worked my way up in the firm and left with a good pension. You could even say my life was nothing remarkable. Average, really, but to me, I was as happy as a pig in muck. I was able to retire early and Val and I fulfilled all the trips we had dreamed of. Hawaii, Rio, Las Vegas, Sydney. A few romantic trips also to Paris. They were possibly the highlights of my retirement. Val and I were soulmates in every sense of the word, and the bottom dropped out of my life when Val died. She was poorly for a while, but ever the optimist, I thought she would pull through. No amount of sympathy and love from our children could console me. Eventually, life did start to resemble something relating to normality. Oh, don't get me wrong, I miss Val tremendously. But I started to finish off the things on our bucket list, sitting at night with a small whiskey, filling Val in on what I had done that day. One day I was walking along the Jurassic Trail and I noticed an aching in my legs I had never felt before. That was the start of my downward spiral health-wise. Visits to the hospital and the doctors, all the treatment and the prescriptions didn't stop the rampage of this hideous illness from taking over my body, eventually rendering me practically helpless. It was my worst nightmare. I had always hoped that I would lose my mind, not my physical abilities, but it was not to be. My mind is razor sharp, 
and I have the body of a very large baby in the care of the local nursing home, living my life now through the memories I made throughout my life. I came into the world a helpless baby, and I'm leaving it in the same state. Well, I guess that's the circle of life. What made you go with the circle of life? It was the Elton John song from The Lion King, The Circle of Life, that made me think about the circle of life. Yeah. I spent about 20 minutes one day jotting down all the parts of your life. So all the different stages that you go through, some babyhood, childhood, teens, adulthood. And I just kind of thought, I'm not going to make this just a chronological, I'm going to make it somebody thinking back on the memories and how they've come full circle. Yeah. A big baby sat in nappies in a nursing home, dribbling. Well, I'm sure a fair few of us are going to end up exactly like that. Yeah, so I know it's a bit clichéd. And then I thought, is this too philosophical? Is it a bit too morbid? You know the cliche is our next writing prompt, right? Oh, dear me. (laughs) I'd forgotten all about that. Don't worry, I won't stick in the same story, I promise. Good, I should think not. I'd like to know what everybody else thinks of this story. I do like to get other people's opinions. So if you want to let us know, you can always send us a quick email to bearbookspod1 at gmail.com. Or you can pop on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So let us know. I'd be interested. Yeah. Or leave us a review when you've listened to the podcast as well. Oh, yeah. Good. Good thinking. Anyway, I've waxed lyrical and philosophical, so it's now over to you, Daisy. I wrote a story called Transcentric Circles. It sounds like it's a maths lesson. Well, it's really not. It's really not. I've tried in my own way, whether it's successful or not, only our listeners can be the judge of that, I guess. And I'm trying to tackle some of the trans issues that people have. So my circle really is a circle of bullies. Okay. So I'll read it to you. Eloise laughs at her own clumsiness as she throws yet another ring that misses the mark on the ring toss stall at the Goose Fair in Nottingham. She's having the best night. Coming to the fair as a second date with Dylan was such a good idea. Dylan's sense of humour matched Eloise to perfection and he was already planning their third date in his head. He thought they were made for each other. He just loved a girl that could laugh at herself. She seemed to embrace life in all the little things. They leave the ring toss stall with a giggle and a sad little bear of a consolation prize that will probably live its life in a decoupage box of happy memories in the back of a wardrobe somewhere. Eloise and Dylan are walking arm in arm when they hear shouting and sobs just ahead of them. What the hell, mutters Eloise as they come across a girl in tears being picked on while everyone just walks past her too embarrassed or too afraid to help, or they just didn't care enough to take it seriously. Not their business, right? What are you anyway? You're not a real girl. This from a skinny little runt of a lad sniggering to his mates who were yelling and whooping as they circled the innocent young girl, who was now the miserable and frightened object of their taunts. Yeah, yelled his mate. We don't need you trannies at our fair. Bugger off home, you don't belong here. 
It's a she-male, laughed a third of the circling lads joining in, desperate to be accepted and one of the lads. Eloise's eyes widened in horror at the disgraceful behaviour she's witnessing and without another thought, she stepped up to the circle. Oi, what the hell are you doing? Leave her alone, she said as Dylan stepped up beside her and took her hand. Be careful, he whispered. We don't want to be in the middle of that circle with her. The runt turned towards Eloise and Dylan and a grin lit up his rat-like little face. Ooh, look, lads, it must be a full moon or something. There's more of them. The laughter from the lads started drying up when Eloise stepped up to the leader of the tormentors and took his full attention to say, you know, everyone has a right to be here and have a good time without you being all up in their face, right? Ooh, did he, she say something? He smirked, looking to his friends for support, only to find them looking at the floor, uncomfortably avoiding his gaze. He turned back looking a little less sure of himself now the numbers had evened up. Having no idea how to read the room, he turned back to Eloise, ready to spit his next little gem of ignorant poison. Meanwhile, Dylan slipped behind the boys while they were preoccupied with Eloise and grabbed the girl's hand and pulled her out of the circle and harm's way. Eloise gave the leader a second to become aware that the tide had turned and his little circle of torment was empty before saying, Are you sure you want to carry this on? There's three of you and three of us now. Apparently, this little skirmish wasn't going unnoticed or ignored any longer. As a chap stepped up next to Dylan and said, make that four of us. Five, came another voice. Six, said yet another. Eloise and Dylan turned to look at the people who had chosen to stand with them. And the three would-be tormentors took their chance and skulked off knowing they were out of their depth and not wanting to be in the centre of any circles themselves. It's too easy to judge other people by your standards, so it didn't occur to them to consider any other outcome. Thank you, Eloise said to their sudden allies. Think nothing of it, said number four, dropping Eloise a wink. Enjoy the rest of your evening, don't give those guys another thought, he said, as he melted back into the crowd. Thank you for rescuing me, said the girl, smiling. I'm Julie and I was proper scared there for a while. Hi Julie, nice to meet you. I'm Dylan. This is Eloise. Why don't you join us? And don't think anything of it, said Eloise. We wouldn't leave anyone to suffer that kind of ignorant bullying. Look, I can see a hooker duck stand. Come on, who fancies the chances at winning one of those massive unicorns? Dylan smiled to himself, thinking he may just have fallen a little bit in love with his beautiful, brave date. I do like that. It's very prolific and it's very profound. And unfortunately, it's still true in 2023. Yes, it is. Like I said, I'm just trying to raise awareness a little bit. Yeah. And there are people out there that do still care and look out for people. So it's not all doom and gloom. No, it's not. I do despair, you know. And I don't want to put people into boxes because I don't like putting people into boxes because we don't belong in boxes. True enough. There's got to be a certain amount of truth in, and I'm going to use the phrase like father, like son. Right. Because I'm going to go back to my own 
upbringing. And I mean, obviously, this was a long time ago, but my mother was very open minded. Yeah. And in the 1970s, one of her best friends was gay. My father was horrified. Really? And wouldn't even go in the house when she was there. Yeah. And of course, I was like a kid because I mean, I was only 13 when my father died anyway. So I was a kid and I couldn't quite work out. And I know that my dad, I've got to give him some credit. He never passed his prejudices on to me, which is just as well, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But when I think back to that, I mean, if my father had been a different kind of person and he'd have brainwashed me, what would I have been like? Because I think a lot of it is. It's peer pressure, but it's also brainwashing as well. And it is all, I believe, a lack of understanding and a lack of education, lack of morals. It's that ignorance again. It's it's not understanding, yeah. It's not understanding, yeah. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine a few weeks ago and kind of talking about her mother, who has still got some of those prejudices, and she cringes. Mm. She'll pull a mum up about it, and the mum will go, well, what's wrong with it? You just kind of think, is that ignorance? Is that not knowing? Is that not understanding? Yeah. I really think, and this is me putting my own opinions out there, and it's not the opinions of the podcast, this is my own opinions, is that I believe that any hate crime, homophobic hate crime, should be more severely punished. I just think that... There's no accountability for anybody's prejudices much. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough accountability. I did like the story. I thought it was rather good. I felt quite, it was quite sweet in a way. Yeah. Well, with a flash fiction, you you can only touch on something. Yes. You can't do anything in depth. You have to sort of leave the listener, if you like, in this case, because it's an audio podcast. Yeah to fill in all the blanks and what the atmosphere must have been like and how she, how Julie must have felt in the middle of that circle. I, I think you did a really, really good job, though, of portraying that fear. Thank you. be interesting, again, to see what our listeners think of the stories that we put out. So, again, if you want to get in touch and give an opinion, we're more than happy to have a read and see what you think. Mm-hmm. On that very sort of serious note, yeah. what have we got coming up next time? So we're going back to reviewing on the next episode, and we're reviewing a book that you chose, April. It is yeah. Daniel and Eric's Fantastical Wedding List, or whatever it's called. It's got a very, very oh, long title. Yeah, it does have a very long title, doesn't it? What's it called? It is called Daniel and Eric's Super Fab wedding checklist no there's okay. a bit more to it than that isn't there i have read just over half of that in readiness and i have to say i'm really quite enjoying it good so i'm looking forward to having a good old chat about that next time there we go look it's daniel and eric's super fab ultimate wedding checklist written by A.E. belladonna And strangely enough, it's a book that's been written quite a few years, uh, and it's one little gem that we came across one evening when we were putting together the book list for the podcast for the LBGT Plus series that we're doing on books this time. 
we just sort of came across it and I thought it sounded rather quirky. Mm. I mean, the title gives you a lot. Daniel gets caught up in the demands of a cheeky wedding planning app. Try and say that when you've had a beer. No, thanks. No. And his fiance kind of is taking the mickey out of it, really. So Daniel ends up with the uh, title of Groomzilla. Well, I'm halfway through and I have to say that both Daniel and Eric's characters are nicely written. There's a sort of people that I would love to go and spend an evening with. They need to invite us over for dinner. Right, okay. (laughs) But, yeah, I'll wait until I've actually finished reading it before I make a final decision on how good, bad or indifferent it is. But halfway through, I have to say I am fairly impressed. Good. Well, I've not started it yet, so you're quite ahead of me. So don't be telling me any of the the plot or anything. I'll find out for myself. But (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. I like the, the blurb about it. So the review will be out on the 1st of February on a Wednesday as usual. And the next writing prompt, as we said earlier, is going to be called the cliche. So whatever you want to come up with between now and then. So you've got a good little while to get your thinking cap on if you want to join in with the next Flash Fiction episode. But in the meantime, if you want to have a read of the book yourselves for review next time, do. I'm looking forward to it. You should get it started, lady. I'm going to, don't worry. So take care of yourselves and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care of each other. Ta-ra. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Bear Books and Bear Books Pod 1 on social media. We'd love it if you could share the podcast with your friends. And thanks so much to everyone that's left us a review. If you're listening today and you haven't given us a review yet, please do. It helps other people discover us and their new favourite indie authors. We'll be back soon with more reviews and more flash fiction. See you next time. Mm